From the west coast to the coast of Lake Malax, this is the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. I'm Chalanga. And I'm Dylan. What's up, Dylan? Nothing much. I'm on a 25-hour work week this week, which is the first time in a while. Blessings to you. 25 hours sounds really nice. Yeah. Well... It's definitely better than 60. I need to keep it down. I need to keep it down right under 30. If I could keep it at 28 for the rest of my life, I'd be happy. I'd be a happy camper. Can you and pay my bills, obviously. Yeah, can you afford to live in LA working 28 hours? I have started to figure that out. Cool. Um, like some of my gigs like when I'm singing, I'm making a little bit more per hour. So, if I could do more of the more of that and then do I mean my theater gigs are okay. They right. pay a, significantly above minimum wage but not like they're not making me a middle class citizen by any means i suppose when you're doing singing work you know there's a lot of work time that isn't necessarily paid time for some people but the nice thing is that i ended up becoming a good sight reader at luther college send your kids to luther college they'll become good sight readers or they'll become horribly depressed and want to kill themselves (laughs) Also true based on experience on this podcast, Luther College. (laughs) All right. Welcome. We are here not to talk about uh, depression or sight reading. We're here to talk about the NBA and most importantly, the Timberwolves. Dylan, the Timberwolves are three and oh, I can't effing believe it. That first game against the Nets was such, such, such an ugly win. That was a game where you were like, we lost, we lost, we lost. At every moment of the game, you were like, this is this is such a bad sign. This is such a bad sign. This is such a bad sign. And then even when Kyrie somehow gets this miraculous shot off, I was like, we're going to lose this game right now. Obviously, he's going to make that shot. Like Richard Jefferson laughed on the broadcast. By the way, good broadcast team the, the Brooklyn Nets have. Oh my year. God, that was the most entertaining color commentary I've ever heard on a local broadcast. Holy right? it shit. Was, he is way, whatever he is, he's uh, he's a big fish in a small pond right now, even though the Nets might be a big market. Seriously. <laughs> so this is not in our, in our rundown, but Charles Barkley needs to get off TNT, and Richard Jefferson needs to take his spot. Charles Barkley just he he's he's lost his damn mind. I mean, he's lost he's his mind has been lost for a long time, but he doesn't even know what he's talking about anymore half the time. Uh, that's somewhat true, but I would still rather hear Charles Barkley analyze basketball than hear Shaquille O'Neal analyze basketball. <laughs> I love Shaquille as like a clown, like he's a very talented clown, but he is not a basketball analyst. Yeah. You I don't know, know. I take it back. I I love Charles Barkley. I can't. I can't shit on him. I just want yeah more Richard Jefferson. He's amazing. Yeah, true. I I would say that like Charles and Shaq is an irreplaceable tandem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you're right. But yeah. Anyway, back to that. He was laughing at the end of the game, right as Kyrie took that shot, and I think he was laughing. This is my opinion on that laugh because he thought Kyrie was still going to make the shot. Yeah. Well, everything Kyrie did that game went in. That I mean, one of the most impressive plays that game was that step back three against Travion Graham, where I yeah. mean, they said that he put well him, guarded. Yeah, uh, and you know what? The Nets announcers said they put that he was put on skates, but Travion no, Graham guarded that as about as it was good well as guarded. you could guard that. Um, but he still, Agreed. I mean, he was cooking. He was he was he went full Uncle Drew on the Timberwolves. And we still put we still prevailed. Yeah, and a big reason why we prevailed is the one, the only, big cat, Carl Anthony Towns. He was just named the player of the week for the first time Woo! since the 2017-18 season. That I, is not insignificant. No, it's not. I mean, he he showed up at the beginning of the season. So through three games, he's averaging 32 points, 13.3 rebounds, five assists. Three steals and two blocks, and on top of all that, that Dylan, five assists. He's shooting fifty-one percent from the three-point line. 
I might have to double check this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. I think he's literally leading the league in steals right now with nine total steals. Yeah, he's tied with a few people, but he's he's at the top of the league. He's playing really well mm-hmm. at the back end of the pick and roll. And even in that Nets game, he got five fouls, but that fifth foul that he got was against Jared Allen when the game was tied 115 to 115. Mm. And that was the most important play of the entire game, possibly, because he missed both free throws. Yeah, he did. And it ended up sending the game into overtime. I feel like Jarrett Allen has done that before. Didn't he miss big free throws in the playoffs last year, too? Yeah, he is not a great free throw shooter. Yeah. Uh, It was just a smart foul. It was a really smart foul. And that is something that we do not usually see from Towns. Usually we see really dumb fouls. And they usually get him in trouble early on in the game. But he's not doing that as much. He's being a much smarter player. Mm-hmm. And he did a great job even in overtime with five fouls uh, defending Kyrie in the pick and roll. Like he was, he was doing well to give pressure without fouling. Yeah. You know, so through the first two games, I was like, this is amazing. This is great. Let me see him prove it. Because what he did is he went against DeAndre Jordan and Jarrett Allen in the first two games, who are great interior defenders. Yeah. The thing is that Carl Anthony Towns is no longer really an in, like an interior player. He's a perimeter player. He's taking 10 threes a game. And so that really stretches Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan to, you know, come out of their comfort zone and guard him on the perimeter. Then he played Charlotte without Cody Zeller. So I mean, who was he playing without against? Without Cody Zeller. Bismack Biombo. <laughs> so after the first two games I was like, okay, Okay, these were good matchups for Carl. Of course, he's going to dominate. I mean, he should dominate. I would be surprised if he didn't dominate. Let me see right. what he does during the Heat. Now, his, stats, the, his stat line during the Heat was not as good. He had 23 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, but, I mean, he was going up against Bam Adebayo, who is one of the best inside-out defenders at the 5 I mean, he's really quick. He's Possibly the best. I mean, he might be the best. He's really good. He's a really, really good defensive player. And, you know... I'm just trying to think, who else would it be? Draymond? I I think Draymond probably is the best inside-out defender. Still? Yeah. P.J. Tucker is a pretty good inside-out defender. But not a center. He wouldn't be matched up on Towns. Yeah, that's true. Capella kills Towns. That's true. Regardless, Capella's a pretty good inside-out defender. Uh, Yeah, Capella is. He's been up and down. Al Horford is another one. Uh, oh yeah, Al Hor- Al Horford might be might be the best inside out defender at, at the center position specifically. Yeah, um, but Bam is no joke, and the Heat defense overall is no joke. So they, what was interesting is the Heat actually started the game with Myers Leonard guarding Carl Anthony Towns. I don't know what they were thinking. I guess they just wanted Myers Myers Leonard in the starting lineup for his shooting, and they didn't want him to guard one of our wings you know they didn't like he's not guarding Covington and running around screens so they just put him on Carl Anthony Towns but that was a mistake because he abused Myers Leonard just absolute I mean he didn't stand a chance it was I mean because he scored uh I believe it was nine points in the first quarter against Myers Leonard um and then they switched Bam on him and Bam had better luck and you know, it was a combination of Bam's defense and Carl just missing some shots. You know, he he missed some shots that he usually makes. Why? You know, some pretty open threes, uh, some runners. Um, but the it it made me think. You know, maybe there are some defenders that can stop Carl Anthony Towns. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, there always have been. Yeah, and usually it's the guys who are bigger than he is, but. You pointed this out quickly to me that you were excited about this Bam Adebayo Carl Towns matchup, and good thing Spolstra decided to switch to that because they started they started leading in the game, didn't they? Yeah. So I I wasn't able to watch the actual game in mm-hmm. real time because mm-hmm. I had a sketch show last yesterday, and so I was in tech rehearsal and uh, doing the show, but from what I saw. The man who brought us back into the game, we were down eight or something like that. And with two clutch drives and a clutch three, Jeff Teague brought us back into the game. Everyone's going to be talking about Andrew Wiggins sealing the game, but Jeff Teague was the person who brought us back. Jeff Teague had an 
excellent game. That was one of the best games I've seen Jeff Teague play in a long time. He had 21 points and I think seven uh, seven assists uh, in the game. I mean, he was he looked confident. He looked sure of himself. He was driving to the basket and scoring. Um, he was dishing the ball to Towns and to to Covington, and he looked like the Jeff Teague that we signed two years ago for $19 million. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know about 19, but definitely 15. <laughs> I hate Jeff Teague, and I will admit that Jeff Teague is close to being the second most important Timberwolf to winning right now. If we want to win, we need Jeff Teague to play well. He's got to play well. And he might need to be our be- second best player. Uh, I don't think he is, but he might have to be. Yeah. I still want to talk about Carl Anthony Towns for a little bit. Yeah. You know how there are always really stupid MVP chants mm-hmm. at free throw lines? Mm-hmm. I just want to know, like, last season it would have been really stupid to hear those. I, we might have even heard them for Cat. We did. Can confirm. But, okay. And also it is too early to, to say that Carl Anthony Towns is an MVP candidate, right? We're going to need at least 10 games. Uh, yeah, at least 10. But is it too early to give Carl an MVP chant at the free throw line? Like, let's say he's at home. He's going for points 39 and 40. When are you going? You're going on Monday? I'm going on Monday, yep. Who's Who are we playing? Against the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, so let's say he's going for points 39 and 40, which he won't be against the Bucks probably, but we'll see. Is it too early to give him an MVP chant at the free throw line? No, but I'm I disagree with you. I think it's never too early. I think if he's your most valuable player, then you chant MVP. I'm of two sides on this. I think that it's either they should be an MVP close to MVP candidate, and I don't think it's too early either because I think that you need to be eligible for the chant at the free throw line before you become an actual MVP candidate. But at the same time, I think it should either be those people who are candidates or candidates to be candidates, or it should be Alex Caruso at the free throw line. <laughs> or it should just be someone who's never going to win, but he's he's yeah, just trolling. most valuable in your heart. Yeah, like Mason Plumley, Miles Plumley. Yeah. I I dig. I really dig. But uh yeah, Towns is looking like a fucking new man. I will be chanting MVP when he's at the free throw line for sure. He is not only offensively peaking his hustle, his intensity, his defensive awareness all look like they've taken a big step. I mean, he he really looks like a guy that can lead a team to something great yeah for me it's mostly his passing and his defense on the pick and roll that has improved immensely that being said his clutch performance still hasn't improved this is three games but it's something that we've seen in the past and we still see this is the one hole in carl anthony towns's game through the first week and i wanted to point it out is that fair yeah that's fair i i will probably have some pushback but I'll lay it out, and then you can talk about a little bit. Bam Adebayo's defense may have had an impact on this, or the fact that he had five fouls in all of the clutch minutes versus Brooklyn, and he was not playing aggressively. But he is 153rd out of 188 eligible players in clutch pie, which is player impact estimate. And that's at negative 3.4. So he's been a, neg- a negative impact on the court in all of his clutch minutes. He's played 6.4 clutch minutes along with Andrew Wiggins and one other player mm. who has played 6.4. Maybe Robert Covington. Do you know how they get that stat? Um, Do you know like the the clutch stat? Yeah, No, the, <clears throat> the PIE. I don't know PIE. Clutch is within five points within five minutes left in the game. Yeah. So uh, we've had a significant amount of those minutes. But Pi is like a bunch of different factors, including like a bunch of different scoring factors, like the the general factors, plus like they include turnovers and they include uh, personal fouls and they include, but I don't know like the exact math to it. Maybe I should look it up for one of, one of our episodes. We can do an advanced stat uh, episode. That'd be fun. Anyway... That is not very good. And it's the biggest Achilles heel to Carl Anthony Towns becoming an MVP. 
because he can in close games he can still play 3.5 quarters like he's Giannis Antetokounmpo but it's that last six minutes where he looks like Robin Lopez and for reference in his pie this year his player impact estimate uh is 24.6 which is good for for every minute not just in clutch minutes and that's good for third behind Trey Young, who is number one, and Giannis, who's number two, which mm-hmm. those are the top three players in the first week of NBA basketball. You know, I think it was Nate Duncan who had a really good point, is that in the clutch, players who look and play like Carl Anthony Towns generally aren't the players that are gone to in the clutch. Just because of the types of shots that become more readily available in those moments. So, Carl Anthony Towns is not a very clutch player, and he and I think that's a really good point that Nate made that you are uh, kind of summarizing for us is that like we might not ever be able, well, at least in the near future, be able to expect Carl Anthony Towns to be Giannis Antetokounmpo. Maybe someday, but not now. But we need another player who's going to be, be able to do that for us. And there is another player who's been, been doing that for us because coming in at 23rd in the league in clutch pie is Andrew Wiggins, wow. uh, which is 33.0. So he has a higher player impact estimate than Carl Anthony Towns does for the whole game. The, it's, um, I mean, like just based on like the 6.4 minutes that he's played, but he has been on fire for that 6.4 minutes. Clutch God. His true shooting percentage, 82.7% in the 6.4 clutch minutes that the Timberwolves have played. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's really good. And if you account for uh, players who right now he has a 37.5 usage percentage. Mm -hmm. So if you only account for players who have been used that much within those minutes, it's you're in the realm of, let's see, Jokic. You're in the realm of DeMar DeRozan, Ben Simmons, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell. Like These are the only players ahead of him in terms of higher usage and higher pie. Uh, Giannis, obviously. And then Dwayne Bacon and Wayne Ellington. (laughs) (laughs) And DeAndre Bembry. So... It doesn't always bear out like exactly because this is the beginning of the season, but this is a great start for Andrew Wiggins. Interestingly enough, that last three, the the most important dagger that Andrew Wiggins maybe has shot in his entire life, doesn't even count toward Pi because they were up six when he shot that where, to put the Timberwolves up one ten to one hundred one. Where can I find Pi? Do I have to go to NBA.com? Yeah, I'm Pi is an NBA.com stat, and that's kind of their version of. Box plus minus basketball reference. They like box plus minus NBA.com likes pie. It's their own little thing, but it's a, it's a pretty good stat. It's better than PER. That's for sure. Which is obviously skewed toward large men who rebound a lot and offensive players. Right. I can't believe it. I'm right now. I'm looking up his pie just general. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I saw it's seven point four, but I don't know what that means in comparison to the the league. So seven point four is good for two hundred eighteenth. Actually, seven point three, according to what I'm seeing. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. Two hundred eighteenth in the league, just behind Duncan Robinson. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> who kill, Who had like the game of his he life against us. the Wolves? He's shot yeah the lights out. Um, yeah, we've we've seen that before with uh, guards or anybody just shooting threes against the Wolves, haven't we? Dude, that Heat team is so weird. Kendrick Nunn, what the heck? I I'm I'm said it before we started recording, but we are gonna forget his name by January. He's a another Alonzo Trier. You're probably right. He's an Alonzo Trier who plays better defense, so he might actually stick in the league, but we probably won't see him on us. We won't see him starting once Jimmy Butler gets back, right. will we? No, because once Jimmy's back and he's the... Because the thing is that Kendrick Nunn right now is the only off-the-dribble creator that they have. I mean, Tyler Hero can kind of do that, 
but he's much better in in as a coming off of screens and a spot what up guy. What about Justice Winslow? Yeah, but he's not the dynamic. Like he is good. He's good at that, but he is more of a facilitator than like a score first player. And Kendrick Nunn is just like go 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 score 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 score. And once yeah, he looks like mini Jimmy Butler. Yeah. So once Jimmy's back in the starting lineup, I imagine Kendrick Nunn will go to the bench. Um, and although maybe maybe they'll start Jimmy at the four and keep Kendrick Nunn. Or Winslow at the four, or whatever. That's interesting. And keep Bam and Jimmy in the front court. That's pretty interesting. It's their lineup is versatile. I don't know how good it is, but we're not talking about the Heat right now. We're talking about Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, let's get back to Andrew. Yeah. So I mean, yes, crazy, crazy from the clutch. Sixty-seven percent from three of the clutch, which is awesome. Uh, however, his overall numbers from three on the season thus far are twenty-three percent. Not amazing. It seems like he benefits from having no heartbeat in the same vein as Kawhi Leonard. He's just not in any way, shape, or form <laughs> as good as Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, he's not bothered by the situation. Uh, he's so like, okay. I, oh, I guess I'll shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want me to shoot again? Okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I will say his shot selection overall has been better this season. Um, the first game, I was worried because it still looked like he was taking quite a few mid-range jumpers. Uh, but as the as we've gone on, he has been more aggressive, driving to the basket. Not always effectively, but he's been driving. And he's been taking more threes and, and clanking a lot of threes. But his shot selection looks better. And so you hope Much that, better. that there's going to be ebbs and flows. So maybe right now his his shot is not super hot, but you know, maybe by December, January he'll be riding a hot streak. I don't know. Overall though, he looks like he Can took a Can I just talk step. about his shot selection yeah, for a section please. for for a moment? Please. I saw a tweet that someone pointed out, maybe it was John Meyer or something. That's our called go-to boy, right? But it said 29% of his takes were from three and only 10% were from long two. So th- three times the amount of his shots are going toward more positive plays than the least efficient play in, in basketball. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's good. That's good. The My concern with him is that through three games, his besides scoring, what he's contributed is two assists, one steal, and one block. And mind you, that's not per game. That is But he has been rebounding. Total. He has been rebounding. He's got six rebounds a game, which is That's really awesome. good. That's 18 rebounds. It's awesome that he's had six rebounds a game. I hope that that continues. I really, really hope that that continues. I need to... Did you, I'm sorry, you cut out. Did you say hope or doubt? I hope, I hope, I hope. I think you probably said both, though, right? I doubt it. Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe in Andrew Wiggins until I see a good month or two of him playing this way because he's had good three-game stretches before. This is nothing new. He can be great for a week. I think this there wasn't was, even a good three-game stretch. I know this was a good. It was a. Like, it was a good ten-minute stretch across three games. And I think there was even a, a a week, two years ago, three years ago maybe, where he scored forty points twice in a week. Which was crazy, and everyone was like, "Yeah, Andrew Wiggins has arrived," but he hasn't arrived yet, and I won't believe it until he unpacks his fucking bags. Here's my strategy: Why don't we just paint the court? I I know that this is maybe a faux pas, but what if we just paint it blue, like lighter blue, and orange and black, and maybe a little white mixed in there, so that we can possibly trick andrew wiggins into thinking that this is chesapeake arena chesapeake energy arena oh yes and then he'll he'll play amazing every night he'll just exactly put up 40 points make half court shots dunk the ball why aren't we the ceos ethan call us up we're we're very available has he dunked yet gmail.com uh coast coast nba pod at gmail.com has he made has he dunked the ball yet i don't know i don't think he's i don't think he's dunked yet I've seen a lot of layups. Yeah. Okay, he's got three dunks so far. One per that game. we haven't seen. That is... They must have or all come against un- Charlotte. Unmemorable. <laughs> unmemorable dunks. 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't watch the Charlotte game, so maybe he had a couple dunks there. Anyway, Andrew Wiggins looks maybe better, maybe the same. He's always kind of been good in the clutch, though, so we'll see. This has just been incredible. The three threes in a row against Miami was pretty unbelievable. Yeah, it was the best moment of his career. So congratulations, Andrew. It was pretty awesome. All right, moving on. Where is Jarrett Culver? So, Dylan, I know that we were pretty excited about Jarrett Culver. We were like, maybe Jarrett Culver will be the starting point guard by the end of the year. Uh, He's going to run the second unit. He looks awesome. He looks ready. But he's really not been a part of the rotation. He's played 42 minutes so far. So what's 42 divided by 3? 17 minutes a game? Less than that's that. That's a lot more than I feel like it's, he's played. It's less than it that. It seems like he's played like 10 minutes a game. It's 14 minutes a game, uh, which is more. It, it feels that's more than it feels like for sure. Because when he's on yeah. the court, he's he he's you don't notice him. He's not shooting. He's only taken 11 shots, scored six points, doled out two assists. I mean, he's he's really not doing anything. There was a pretty assist yesterday. Yeah. Yep. I don't remember who it was to, but it was a highlight that I saw. Yeah, but he looks uh made the highlight real. He looks very uncomfortable. I don't think he's adjusted to how uh fast and how big these people are because he is pretty slight. I'm hoping that the Timberwolves coaching staff right now and I think it's I think that has been borne out. The coaching staff just sent Nas Reed, Kata Bates Diop, Jalen Noel and who else? Uh, Jordan McLaughlin. But they sent all those players down to the Iowa Wolves. Yeah. And I think what that says for us is the coaching staff knows that this team, or thinks now, believes fully that this team can win. Yeah. That the Timberwolves can win. Yep. And them not playing Jarrett Culver in the most important minutes of the game or not involving him as much in the offense, I think that says something about what this coaching staff believes this team can do. They think that we can be a playoff team, and they're putting all these vets in, and these vets are producing. Right. I also think that uh, Rosas views players not only as players, but as assets. And he understands the importance of Jarrett Culver as an asset. Like, in terms of marketing him. Like, every time he plays... Gerson sees this is me marketing these players to another team as well as the winning aspect. Precisely. And so it's important that he looks good when he plays. And if he plays a lot of minutes, I think that would give teams a lot of time to see that he's not ready. And if there's some mystery around him with a hint of potential, that's better than teams seeing a player that just isn't ready to play. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, and who's to say that he won't be ready to play later on? Right. Like, let's ease him in and see what happens. Right, exactly. Because I, I, I have ho- I have faith in him as an NBA player. I think that he eventually will at least be rotation level, if not, you know, starter level. Uh, but he's young, and he's skinny, and he needs some time. But we do have some young players on this team that are showing out. One of them is uh, a player that you've been obsessed with since day one, since he joined the team. True. Since and the, he came since he was out born, of your Chilanga. womb. Exactly. Your son. I've been there for him since day one. The apple of my eye. At Call Me Nonstop, Josh Akogi. Dylan, he has looked awesome this year. 60 minutes played, and he's still leading the league in net rating amongst players who have played at least 25 minutes. Mm. that's important it's not that he's the best player in the league we're not trying to say that yeah obviously he's playing against non-starters because he's not starting himself no he did have that moment against Kyrie where I don't know if it was a lockdown or if it was a psych out but Kyrie did did trip at the end of that Nets game yeah maybe he was maybe that was kind of like um intentional like he was trying to do like you ever play NBA street Oh, and he was like trying to psych him out. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I tripped, I tripped. Yeah. Or, or like, who was the one? Was it JaVale McGee who went off to the sideline with like, oh, I hurt my nose, and then he came back in and LeBron threw him a lob? That oh. was in the preseason this year. I didn't you see that. that. That's dope, though. I missed that completely. Yeah, it's, 
Holy he shit. was like, oh, God, no, nosebleed, nosebleed, nosebleed. He walks off. Everyone stops guarding him, and he, and he jumps back into the game, and LeBron throws him a lob. I love that. More of that. <laughs> like bad news bears. Or yeah, like, more, uh, more trick pitches. <laughs> uh, as much of that as we can get, we need all we can get, because I don't think the Timberwolves are going to make the playoffs easily. No. That being said, uh, Josh Okogi, is he a candidate to be a candidate? Because obviously there are no candidates yet. But is he a candidate to be a candidate for most improved player? If he continues playing 20 minutes a game, I don't think that that is possible. I just think he would need to be in the starting lineup. You're probably right about that. And the only way for him to get into the starting lineup is for Ryan Saunders to fall out of love with Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Fat chance. Or or maybe Travion Graham. I don't know. Travion Graham looks so good just to be a guy who guards on defense. Yeah. Who just guards your best wing. Yep. Yep. Travion Graham is a better guarding the 3-4. Kogi can't really guard the 4, and it's a stretch to have him guard th- like a lot of 3s. But put him, right. on a, put him on a guard, and he's top of the league. Okay. Josh Kogi, is he a candidate to be a candidate for sixth man of the year? Who, I would think so. The issue is that sixth man of the year is always about points. It's always about offense, right? And he's competing against Lou Williams, Derrick Rose. I mean, those will probably be the top two vote getters, right? Uh, let's see. So it was Lou Williams, then Eric Gordon, then Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams. These are all offensive players. J.R. Smith. Yep. Lamar Odom was a two-way player. Yeah. Uh, Jason Terry was a two-way player. Mono Ginobili, two-way player. Leandro Barbosa. So really in the last 10 years, it's been an offensive player. James Harden was was in there too. So and the last 10 years, it's been an offensive player. But before that, there were some defensive uh, stalwarts. Well, if he, can, if he can average 11 points a game and get three assists and three or four rebounds a game, I mean, here's, here's what I think is the most likely scenario is that he's low-key gets a lot better this year next year he starts and wins most improved i think that is a more likely path for him than winning any award this either okay then either of the awards great Mm -hmm. okay well i i would gladly take that i'm gladly taking just there is a step there is some kind of step that has been that has been made by josh okogi totally and i'm excited about it the other thing i'm seeing with josh okogi everything is more controlled i mean it's it's not so much of a difference as like his net rating as his stats would suggest but Mm -hmm. when he's going to the basket you notice this that he's really good at getting the foul yeah he's getting better at that yeah is he learning from his arch nemesis is he learning from james harden right now you know like i bet he is such a tape head i bet he's watched so much james harden tape I know I know that he's watched a lot of James Harden tape because he he was like I'm going to defend him I need to f- watch this dude. Yeah. So 58% free throw rate. He knows he knows how James Harden gets to the free throw line and he knows how to keep him from getting to the free throw line. I think it's probably translated to some extent on his to his offensive game, right? Yeah, absolutely. And he's such a he's such a freak athlete. He's so athletic. It's crazy. His bounce is unreal. Um and the way that yeah. he's like he added a euro step. Yep. And you can see he's slowly beginning to learn how to slow his body down as he nears the rim. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about with that Euro step. Yeah. When he's like going coast to coast and all of a sudden he takes two giant steps and slows himself down enough to not just like throw one like throw a haymaker up in the air. Oh uh, yeah. He he is looking a lot better and it's got me really, really excited. Um his three point shot is still not falling. But, but it still doesn't look bad. Yeah, it still doesn't look bad. And you know, that's there's 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 a lot more growing for him to do. All right, so Josh Okogi is looking better. He's got more control. He looks a little slower. And one thing that we talked about previously on the pod is that when he was playing for Nigeria, he was their primary ball handler and facilitator. So we were wondering if Josh Okogi should be our starting point guard. <laughs> is it crazy? So not defensively. So to to give us a little perspective, we are going to do a Lindsey Whalen. Would you rather? So Dylan, I've got three would you rather's. It's would you rather have Josh Okogie 
or a current starting point guard. All right, are you ready? Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this. Dylan, would you rather have Josh Okogi or Ish Smith? Considering he is the worst starting point guard in the NBA, this is a very easy Josh Okogi. Oh, he wants Josh Okogi. I like the idea of a Josh Okogi, Bradley Beal backcourt. <laughs> that sounds really fun. Dylan, number two, would you rather have Josh Okogi or Terry Rozier? Chalenga, I don't think the Hornets are going to win another game this year. <laughs> Write that one down. Put that one down. Because they're going 1-81. <laughs> oh, boy. They, they beat that Bulls team, which is not a good Bulls team, and I think it, that my take on the Bulls is going to look really good at, at the end of the season. We'll yep. see. Maybe I'll be eating some uh, crow after this. But I I do want to go – I do want to double down on the Bulls. They're going to be really good offensively, and they're going to be the worst defensive team in the league. Oh, they're going to be terrible. Just terrible. Sorry, Thad Young isn't enough to you know carry a defense. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but back to the Hornets, the team that beat the Bulls, or one of the teams that beat the Bulls. I'd rather have Josh Okogi. Whoa! My team. Do you think Josh Okogi, if you replace Josh Okogi with Terry Rozier, do you think the Hornets would win more games? Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Josh Okogi currently has .4 win shares. I believe Carl Anthony Towns is leading the league with like .7 or .9. Hell yeah. That's a lot more wins than... Uh, Win shares than Scary Terry, I'm sure. All right, this last one, Dylan. I I love I'm obsessed with this last one. Would you rather have Josh Akogi or Eric Bledsoe? Oh, <laughs> am I looking at a mirror? <laughs> are you looking at a mirror? That's what I felt like I was looking at. Or like, <laughs> am I are they looking into a mirror? You know, they're like, are they the two Spider-Mans that are like pointing at each other? They're like, huh. If this is for this year, right? Yep. I would take Eric Bledsoe, but I would think about it. Ooh, okay. I think that's the right call. For that team, specifically the Bucks. it has to be Eric Bledsoe. If this were a struggling team, it'd be maybe close. Yeah. I mean, okay. I like that. All right. Thanks for playing, Dylan. That was fun, thank right? Thank you, Chalinga. Yeah, thank you for, for creating that game for us. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Moving on to another player who has slowed down, possibly. I want to get into our biggest worries. As typical Minnesota Timberwolves fans, we're always waiting for that other shoe to drop. We are professional and perpetual worriers, not just in Timberwolves, but in terms of all of our sports fandom in Minnesota. So, as I said before, there is a player who has also possibly slowed his game down, but not in such a good way. Not in the good way that Josh Okogie did. Robert Covington is looking like he doesn't fit like he did last year. Yeah. Not by not to my eyes. The stat sheet isn't looking too different yet. It's been three games. But just based on my eyes, it's looking like Robert Covington is getting beaten out in the perimeter. And he's getting beaten up in the interior. I saw Myers Leonard box him out and... Robert Covington was caught turned the other way, and he fell straight on his face. Myers Leonard did that to him. That makes me worry about our starting power forward. You know what? You're right, though. He has been getting off, beaten off the dribble quite a bit. I believe he was on Karis LeVert for much of the game against the Nets. And, I mean, Karis LeVert is notorious for beating people off the dribble. That is kind of his game. Um but Robert Covington is also notorious for being a defensive stalwart. And so that's a little concerning to me that he's a kind of a step slow. You know, maybe that's him readjusting to the speed of it after missing so much time. Or maybe it's just that he is, you know, lost a step after that injury. Although I don't think it was, I don't think that injury had any structural damage. So um, I don't know whether it's a, a matter of engagement or a matter of conditioning or what um, did that injury have any designation i still don't know what happened to his leg i thought it was a i thought it was a bone bruise or at least it's, that's that was the initial diagnosis right did he have surgery it's, i don't think he had surgery i don't think so i don't think he did but it was just it seemed like they just 
kind of shut up about that in the media and were and that's what worried me the most. I wonder and if he, I wonder if he was healthy and the wolves were just like fuck it. That's true. That's actually a smart move in terms of uh our front office. Scott Layden, maybe that was a good job by him. We got Jarrett Culver out of it. Hopefully Jarrett Culver pans out, but we got the number 6 pick, so that's pretty good. Well, we got the number 11 I mean, after pick. the trade. Yeah. But, but after the after the Sarge trade, yeah. Yeah. The the one thing statistically that is a little concerning is his three-point shooting this season. He's below 30% so far. I mean, if he's not shooting at least league average, that is a problem for us uh, because he is, you know, when he first came over the team, he was a key feature of our offense. And, uh, he, you know, he's a c- key component to spacing. And Travion Graham probably is not going to be that great of a shooter. So if Teague, Wiggins, Graham, and Covington – all are below average, like below league average shooters. Teams are gonna be able to really harass Carl Anthony Towns, and it's gonna it's gonna make his life a lot tougher. Because right now Robert Covington isn't making threes at the rate that we would have hoped, and because he's been slower on defense and maybe doesn't look like he fits into that four slot, I'm wondering whether we want Travion Graham in the, the three spot right now or. Or Travion Graham in the two three spot because I guess technically he's maybe started at the at the small or at the sm- uh, shooting guard position, and Wiggins has been in the small forward position. But maybe we do want Rocco to be playing at the three, and maybe we want to have like a Noah Vonley there just so that he can bully people down low. Yeah, and while he can't shoot the three like that effectively. Last year, he was definitely more effective than Robert Covington has been so far this year. Last year, he was like almost league average. He's thirty three percent one make a game. Yeah, I think he shoots the ball historically as well as Jake Lehman, Travion Graham. I mean, he's he is at the same yeah. level as all of our shooters. So maybe he can get acclimated and he can be a little bit of a larger presence down low for the Wolves, as like someone to be there with Carl on defense. Yeah, hopefully. Just a thought. Yeah. I, the I, other thing that I'm worried to go for. I was just going to say, I like that, and I think that's something that this roster will have all year is some pretty decent versatility. True. The other thing that I'm worried about is point guard defense. Last Yesterday, Shabazz Napier and Jeff Teague were so, so... I know Jeff Teague had a pretty good offensive game, and you said it was the best offensive game that he's had as a Wolf, but... Defensively, it was not looking great. They let Kendrick Nunn shoot all over them. And it wasn't always that like Kendrick Nunn was just shooting lights out. Sometimes like they just weren't closing him out because they maybe they just didn't respect him. Maybe that's what's happening is nobody's respecting Kendrick Nunn yet. But at the same time, I we struggled with our point guard defense against Kyrie Irving. He was getting any shot he wanted. And I'm worried about our point guard defense if Josh Okogie's not on the court. Didn't Devontae Graham light us up, too? Devontae Graham's been lighting everybody up, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As I said, Devontae Graham has been more clutch technically than Andrew Wiggins on a higher usage rate. That is so tight. (laughs) I just love that so much. Chalanka, what are you worried about? I am worried. You know, I kind of mentioned it, but I'm worried that none of our players besides Carl will be able to shoot the three. I'm worried that our three-point shooting won't be good enough for Carl to be maximized and that teams will just harass him. Historically, he has not been super good at navigating the double team. The Heat were doubling him quite a bit in yesterday's game, and the results were mixed. He was able to pass out of the double team a few times, but not super effectively or efficiently. And he did get a couple turnovers after being double teamed. And so that's that's a big concern of mine because Carl is amazing. And offensively, he's one of the most gifted big men I've ever seen. But he really struggles with his decision making when he's pressed by two defenders. Uh, so if, if our perimeter players can't be respected by defenses it's going to be really hard for him to continue to have these efficient 30 plus point games uh, because teams are going to just focus their defense on him 
Yeah, so that's not something that we've actually dealt with firsthand because we've, well, we got lucky maybe in the first game and the subsequent two games, we haven't necessarily needed Carl to go off and to uh, navigate the double team as much because other things happened, like Andrew Wiggins went off. But I agree with you. I think that that could harm us going down the line if we're not making if we continue not making our shots because we're not shooting at a great clip right now yeah and then my other biggest concern is an injury to jeff teague we waived ty wallace so our only other option at point guard and sent down jalen noel yep and jordan mclaughlin so like our only other option at at point guard is to call one of those guys up or to pick someone up off the off of the waiver wire I think Jared Bayless is probably still available. <laughs> well, and I think Jared Bayless could fill in nicely for five to ten games. He did last year. He, I mean, I know that we weren't as competitive at that point in the season, but he played well in a couple of those games. Uh, the Warriors game? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, you know, it's a concern to me because we'd really have to do some patchwork you know, my hope would be that eventually Jarrett Culver would look good enough that he could fill in some of those minutes. But as or a combination of Josh Okoge and Jarrett Culver, because I want to I want to re- repeat something that we've said earlier this summer, maybe, and that's that Josh Okoge led Nigeria in assists and led them in almost all other categories as well. He was their primary ball handler and their mm-hmm. best player. Mm -hmm. Uh, at FIBA so I do think it's possible for him to slide more into that night and when you asked I don't think we talked about this but you asked Ryan Saunders a question you said did you know that he could handle the ball like that and Ryan said no I did not so it is possible that Ryan was like not planning for Josh Okoge to run our offense but it is possible that maybe he thinks that Josh Okoge could fill in if needed barring an injury from Shabazz Napier or uh, Jeff Teague? Well, he's already been given a longer leash this year. I mean, he's been given the opportunity to create off the dribble, and he's been doing much better with it. So I think that's a really good point, is that there there is some sneaky depth and ability to cover for a Jeff Teague injury. And then the final thing... Oh, go ahead. I just wanted to compare that to maybe a team that you will want to talk about later but that is the Atlanta Hawks backup point guard situation. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have a backup point guard. They have Evan Turner, who is maybe half a point guard. Yeah. But that could be Josh Okogie. Absolutely. I think Josh Okogie is close to being half a point guard. What a compliment. Wow. Beaming compliment. Uh, and then my final concern is that Andrew Wiggins will fall back into bad habits He's really not that far away from the player that we have known for the past four years. He just has had, he's just made some really good shots that have kind of colored our perception of him. And so my, my concern is that those shots are going to stop falling, that he's going to get in his head, and that he's going to shoot us out of some games. Because honestly, against the Heat and the Nets, I kept saying Andrew Wiggins is going to shoot us into a loss. He's just going to take these bad shots and they're going to miss and he's going to look terrible. So, I mean, that's that's really a concern of mine is that he's just... But gonna... then he shot us ass backwards into two wins. I know, which is crazy. I still <laughs> I still don't believe it. Uh, but th- those would be my biggest worries. All right, so our last segment for this podcast, Dylan and I were talking about the future of this team because obviously right now this team is not championship contenders and I'm not even sure if I believe that we're playoff contenders but what I'm seeing so far in these three games in this wonderfully large sample size is I'm seeing the potential for something great and I'm seeing some players that are important to our future and so it got me thinking who are the five most important Timberwolves moving forward from an organizational perspective so not just about winning in the now but moving forward three four years down the line who are our players that were are 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 going to be very very important so i mean our number one there's there's no question that we both have carl anthony towns as the most important timberwolf 
I mean, he's the most important Timberwolf since Kevin Garnett. Easily. It's not even close. With res- with all due respect to Kevin Love, I never felt like Kevin Love could be the best player in the NBA, and I do feel like Carl Anthony Towns has the chance in the next five years to become the best player in the NBA. Yes. You know, honestly, his it I he, if he doesn't win an MVP, then he never reached his potential. Right. That's just that's just how good he is. Done. Who's number two for you? For me, number two, based on their importance as a player and possibly as an asset, is Jarrett Culver. So right now, obviously, he doesn't look very good, but him packaged together with a Covington or a Jang contract and some picks could net us something important moving forward. So his play, whether he is on the team in four years or whether he is an asset used to acquire someone else, is really, really important to the Wolves' future. I see where you're going with that. I would have had Culver there three months ago, two months ago, one month ago, three days ago, maybe. Nah, probably more like six days ago. Yeah. But because of his play, and because I think that we are going to be able to get a good deal on a second contract, like you were saying before the podcast, I think it's got to be Josh Okogie. Yeah at this point yeah uh, retaking the reins of the number two most important timberwolf and i think he's the second best timberwolf right now oh damn there is no reason for me to say that any other wolf is more important to josh okogi winning right once again he is like he's second on the team in win shares and he is playing out of his mind right he is the best bench player in the league right now and that's in one week, but that was enough for me to put Josh Okogie at my number two spot. And n- my number three is Jarrett Culver. Jarrett Culver uh, hasn't shown anything. The reason why he hasn't dropped any further than this is because it, because exactly what you said. He is an important asset. He could net us something different than he is. Mm-hmm. Or he could show his potential on the Timberwolves and become the third best player on a good playoff team or maybe a fringe playoff team i don't know yet yeah i mean if he can be a third best player on a playoff team would be amazing i mean if that's if that's how good he gets i think that probably is his peak you know i mean he probably hits his his potential at that point so your number three is a kogi right no whoa coming in hot my number three most important timberwolf for Timberwolves futures is Andrew Wiggins and here's why. Wow. The Timberwolves will and quote me on this. The Timberwolves will never reach their potential so long as Andrew Wiggins is on this team. Whatever way Andrew Wiggins exits this team, whether we can move him as an expiring contract or earlier to net something else is going to be really important to the championship contention of this team. If we can possibly get him looking like a replacement player and pair him with a draft pick or something, we could get an asset. He's still 24, though. Yes. And if he can just trick another NBA franchise for another month, let's just say he tricks until the December 15th uh, deadline or the December 15th line of demarcation for when, like, the people who were uh, who signed their contracts can be traded again Mm -hmm. there'll be more options and there'll be more fluidity in the nba at that point yep maybe it's time to start looking at a trade partner that's exactly what i'm thinking and you know i did not have andrew wiggins on my top five so that's our first difference it's okay the other thing i would just want to bring up is that there's going to be like four or five teams with a bunch of cap space next year and there's a lot of restricted free agents that have already signed cap sheets and they're gonna or extensions and you know, one of those teams might be like, oh, we need to do something this offseason because the free agent class sucks. And they might look at Andrew Wiggins and say, oh, well, he scored, you know, 18, 19 points a game this season. He had some really yeah. clutch performances. All of these rookies re- getting re-signed early, I think, has helped the case for trying to move to get an asset that hasn't realized its potential yet. Yeah. Uh, my number four most most important wolf moving forward is Josh Okogie for a lot of the reasons we said. I just think that he is the type of player that will be valued so much more by us than he will by anybody else in the NBA. 
just as a homegrown fan favorite sensation type, he is more yeah. important as a player than he ever will be as an asset. So that's why you only have him at number four. Yes. And not higher. Yep. I have Robert Covington there at number four, and it's for the same. I have him up that high, but I think the same things about Robert Covington. I don't think that he'll ever be as valuable to any other team as he is to our team. I could be wrong in the sense that everybody's looking for a wing that's a 3 and D type. Right. But right now, his value is as a personality because he's not playing up to his 3 and D potential. But he is the fourth most important Timberwolf going to the future. Part of the reason why I said that is because he actually will be on the team going into the future, or he is under contract to be on the team going into the future. Right. Uh, So... He's an asset in many ways. Yep. Who's your number five? My number five is Robert Covington. And I think that he, if the Wolves are going to trade to get a star, if that's in our future, I think that he is most likely part of it because he's got a nice mid-level deal at like 11 million or 12 million. And uh, he is the type of player that teams are looking for. Um, However, he is not necessarily shown that on the Wolves. I mean, granted, he's only played 15 games for the Wolves, and the three this far, the, uh, the three this year have been disappointing. I think going into the season, we both would have said that Robert Covington is the second best player on the Timberwolves by a margin. Yeah. And so far, I don't even know if he's been the third best or fourth. Yeah, it's, it's definitely once you get to third and fourth, on the Timberwolves, it's like, eh, it's kind of a crapshoot. But I, th- I think you're right there. And who's your number five? My number five, I'm going to go along with the same concept of future because I don't know if this is the fifth most important player, but uh, because he is under contract for four years, Jake Lehman. Oh, yeah. I knew you were going to say Jake Lehman. I consider Jake Lehman. Is that my white bias? Uh, no, I just uh, know you love Jake L. I like the way he slashes. I like the way that he shoots. I like the way that he is versatile. And I was really digging to the bottom of the barrel to try to find the fifth most important Timberwolf (laughs) moving forward. Yeah. My Andrew Wiggins argument didn't convince you? It almost did. But I I think I still would not put Andrew Wiggins there because the reality is, is if anything that he shows, any sliver of thing that he shows is... A win for us true and it's not like like he could do anything and and it would be better than what how we felt about him before so in that sense i'm like andrew wiggins you don't have to do anything you're not that important you know what i mean right he's important to us winning because he's been given the ball right in terms of like his play i'm still not expecting that much out of him and i'm not expecting him to be important to our future in terms of draft picks or whatever. I right. don't know. I, we're, not, we're probably not going to get much for him if we do at all. I want to point out he did hug Gerson Rosas in the tunnel after that uh, game uh, it, with the Heat, and that has me worried for Gerson getting a little bit too close. Right, he's falling in love. Maybe extending the love. Or maybe he's a good actor. He might be a good actor, too. Could be. Good marketer, good actor. All right, so looking forward to next week with the Wolves. We've got Wednesday against the 76ers, Saturday against the Wizards, and Monday against the Milwaukee Bucks. If the Wolves can beat one of the Sixers or the Bucks, I will believe it. That That's all it's going to take for me. If they can beat one of those teams, I'll believe it. We have to go 2-1 and one for me to go all in, to put all my chips yeah. in on this season. Even if we only beat the Wizards... I'll be really happy. <laughs> I'll be super happy. <laughs> Just please beat the Wizards. That's all I need. If the Sixers or the Bucks get beat, that is like, oh, that is sweet, sweet dessert. I do think that the Sixers are the biggest test for both Towns and the Wolves because Towns always gets psyched out by JoJo. Yeah. And if Towns can have a big game, I just I don't even want to see him win. I don't want to see the Wolves win. That's not what I'm looking for. But the test meaning that if we can show out for mm-hmm. this next game and if Towns can grab this game by the balls right. and do the same thing that he did in the first two games, then I'm going to be excited for this season no matter what. Well, I'm kind of already excited, but this this stretch will be a good test 
Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. Don't forget to follow us on the socials at Coast to Coast NBA on Twitter, at Coast to Coast NBA pod uh, on Instagram. Send us an email at Coast to Coast NBA pod at gmail.com. Listen, subscribe, download, and tell your friends. Also, while you're at it, give us a rating and review. We need that shit. We've got a lot more content coming because it is the NBA season, so there's constant things to talk about. We look forward to providing you with all the Wolves, the Wolves content you could possibly have. Uh, next week, we'll be coming out with our award show. It's a little late, but better late than never, right, Dylan? Or better never. There are a lot of people who are listening to this podcast right now who are definitely not rating and reviewing us. So if that's you, it takes two seconds and... If anything, you should be reviewing us before anything else because it means a lot more to us. We only have eight, nine reviews. And we've got 43 listeners. We've got an average of 43 listeners per podcast. So if this applies to you, just give us a five star and a little review. It would mean the world to us. All right, Dylan, I got to throw on my Amari Stoudemire jersey that you got me and do some pick and rolls. I'm going to be late. Bye. Bye.